it's easy to bond over that because then those two people they fill this need in a in a in a very small way of somebody's life a small slice of someone's life but that's very important they fill that need so it becomes passionate it becomes exciting welcome everybody to the podcast relationships let's talk about it i'm prebel toplitsky i'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues everybody's got one partners family friends co-workers neighbors relationships let's talk about it tuning in to another episode of Relationships. Let's talk about it. And in this episode, I have a conversation with a returning guest, my good friend and colleague, Corey Costanzo. And we have a sit down and we talk about trauma bonding and forming relationships and connections also through trauma. Sometimes we can feel really seen and heard and understood but we might mistake in that compatibility as something forming connection. Because sometimes it's just toxic if the relationship stays in the form of trauma bonding. And do couples create their own trauma with the way that they're connecting and communicating and doing their conflict? And how do they get out of that dynamic? So those of you that haven't heard Corey, he's been on, oh, well over a dozen podcasts of mine. He is a licensed addiction counselor, a trauma specialist, a somatic experiencing practitioner, and a licensed body worker. He is also the co-owner of Still Point Wellness Spa, a wonderful spa that has excellent massages, saltwater flow tanks, and they have recently opened up their second location in Asheville that has four saltwater flow tanks. So if you wanna try it out and you're in the Asheville area for your first float or for your first Esla massage, you can get 10% off if you use the code PREPO. And you can learn more about Corey and Still Point Wellness at their website, stillpointwell.com. And I'll have those information in the show notes. And don't forget, you can go to my website, prepo.com. You can sign up for my newsletters. If you want to inquire into my work for therapy and coaching, you can find more information there. And especially if you live outside of the state of North Carolina, check out my coaching practice, way beyond coaching and consulting. Check us out on Instagram at Prepo Toplitsky and also Twitter. And I don't have a Facebook page anymore. I nixed that a while ago. Thank you all for spreading the news of the podcast, spreading the information to other people. I really appreciate that. That is definitely one way that you can support the podcast. Another way, if you're inclined to leave a financial donation to help out with the production of the podcast, you can go to my website, prepo.com, 
check out the podcast page and there's a button to support the podcast by leaving a one-time donation or a reoccurring donation. Okay, everybody, I hope you're having some beautiful connections in your life, that you are feeling well, that you are seeing the beauty of life outside all this craziness and chaos that is happening in the world. There's also so much beauty because don't forget to connect with that. That's what will expand our consciousness. That's what will help heal ourselves and others. So don't forget to tell the people around you how much you care about them. All right, everybody, here we go. My conversation with Cora Costanzo. The impact of trauma bonds and relationships. Let's talk about it. man so good to be back prepo back back in the studio but back with the hang and i love this combination that we rap about something that we're interested in and then we go out and have some fun so thanks what i really love about it is that you know i spend 20 plus hours a week um 25 hours a week some sometimes face to face with other human beings you know helping them make their lives better and it's just so amazing to now have a colleague that I can talk about a lot of a lot of stuff that comes up for me and you know issues and challenges and you know wins and all that all that stuff it's just it's just really amazing to have that with you share that with you mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I um, love that the the collegian aspect of that yeah. that I really love uh, but also we consult we have uh we share clients in that way that that we can consult and um we share about our lives and our personal lives so there's a lot of sharing between you and i it's a very special relationship one that i value very deeply and and um you know i i I share that freely and willingly Mm. on the podcast and to you from Mm. time to time thank you i will take that in So I wonder that with this topic around um, shared experiences through trauma or trauma bonding, we're going to talk about. It. Is there times that you and I trauma bond with with things that are going on with uh, our our uh, our clients that we share, whether we're consulting or our own experience of doing the work? Which you're a trauma specialist, so you work a lot with trauma. So there's times when you're sharing with me, are we in some way trauma bonding in that way? I don't know. We'll 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 explore it. I mean, I don't look at the work that I do as traumatic at all whatsoever. You know, when that starts happening, probably going to be the beginning of the end of me doing this work. You know, I get uplifted when I'm uh, doing counseling with people, even with horrific trauma um, in the field in the room. You know, I feel extremely uplifted. So I think. I think of it as just more of an excitement to talk to you and consult with you when we have those shared clients where you're seeing the couple and then recommending them to come see me or one of them to come see me an individual. And then when we consult, when we get those releases and stuff, then it's just such a deeper experience. That's like 360. You and I are able to really wrap, wrap our professional 
experience around the family system. And I notice, I notice that it's, it's a deeper experience for me as a counselor and with you together. And, and what winds up happening is it's a deeper experience for the person also. And it's interesting because you and I were rapping before about this podcast and trying to um, explain the difference between a trauma bonding and a, and a challenging, maybe a negative way, a dysfunctional way, uh, unhealthy way, as opposed to shared compatibility through trauma or a connection through trauma that can be healthy. One reason that I think you and I do that so well is because of our secure attachment of friendship. Like we have that, we have a secure, safe attachment with each other that we can go to those realms or to be able to exchange in ways of trusting each other, trusting each other's point of view, trusting what we have to say, trusting feedback that may also be challenging to hear. And um, so I think like that's an important element that, that we can definitely bring in to the understanding of what, how, how growing up in attachments are important to this aspect of bonding through trauma. Totally, totally. It takes vulnerability and it takes trust to open up what's happening for me in the counseling relationship. And, you know, I consult from time to time with some other therapists of family members, and it's not the same as when I'm consulting with you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think because of like what you just said, the secure attachment and the secure relationship, the security and trust in our relationship that, yeah, you know, I, I could, I could make a mistake and still, and still be welcomed by you, mm. not be ostracized or not be judged or anything like that. Because I mean, yeah, in this work, we make mistakes, don't we? Absolutely. You know, we, we sometimes say things that might not uh, make the most sense or that might be um, kind of have some countertransference or our own stuff behind it, you know, which is why really good effective counselors and psychotherapists and people in this in this field will be engaged in their own therapy yeah and it's really good that we can rib each other on some stuff too because we do we yeah are, we yeah. we bring some things out that we won't bring up in here but we we bring it up i know, like what, you, it. I know what you're thinking right <laughs> to, now to put each other like remember that yeah don't okay say <laughs> don't say it but that's that's the beauty that we can do that in a way that's out of love Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, let's explore because I think it's important that people kind of really understand the difference of what we're talking about with trauma bonding. Let's start off for, first of of the compatibility of people um, having shared experience through trauma that could be beneficial. Yeah. So a bond that somebody feels with another person after going through an experience that was traumatic. Right. Yeah. Because that instantly people go deep, right? It's like, you're the one that understands me because we have the shared experience. Whether we share the experience of our experience or similar experiences from our, our life. People that might have a parent that died, a, a child that's injured and things like that. Alcoholic that, family system. Exactly, that you can relate to that person because they had that experience in their life. And then there's a shared experience of an event that may 
have been traumatic. And because we shared it together, we can really understand each other. Maybe we supported each other through that. I'll tell you, whenever I meet somebody that was in Manhattan during 9-11, you know, instantly I feel, I feel a bond with that person. And isn't that amazing that millions of people felt that around the world, but especially in New York. And I heard people that were there, they said it transformed humanity oh. of how people were more kind and, and more understanding. For about two weeks. Right. It was right. amazing. Candle Candlelight vigils every single night. People would just gather and huddle right. together and just start talking and listening and sharing experience. And it was, it was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, you, you had an experience when you were traveling that, um, that you shared an experience that was, uh, healthy in some way, but then all of a sudden you realized, cause I think sometimes in a bonding of that kind of trauma, what could happen is maybe one person gets stuck in it or, or because that was the connection that later on as healing takes place or things transform that now there's a whole different relationship to forge and you might not be able to do that because the compatibility was in the trauma. So I'm curious about your experience. So I had this horrific uh, motor scooter accident when I was in Thailand, when I was in my mid to late 20s. And I was with a woman who was on the back of the bike. Um, the other guy wound up dying. It was It was a whole three or four week ordeal. Um, we had to, we had to like follow Thai custom and go to the, visit the guy when he was in the ICU, visit his family in the village, uh, go to his funeral. Um, it was in Chiang Mai in the North part of the uh, country. And it actually made the newspapers in Bangkok, which was, I don't know, 700 miles away or however many miles away. It was a single scooter. You were on a single scooter with somebody and he was on a single scooter and yeah. he collided. Yeah, yeah. And he ended up dying. Yeah, yeah. I had to basically prove my innocence. Were you in jail? Were you in jail? No, but there was a, there was, there was uh, several days where there was a 50-50 chance. Like if the, if the officer wanted to put me in jail, he could have put me in jail. And my lawyer, um, you know, told me you need to get two envelopes and put a thousand dollars cash in each envelope. One envelope is going to go to the family. The other envelope is going to be to pay off the officer. So at that point, I was like, I mean, it was it was a traumatic experience for me for sure. Luckily, the officer wound up being a good guy. He didn't accept the envelope at mm -hmm. all. And he saw that it was clearly not my fault. And the second envelope was used to pay for the, uh, for the funeral. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I offered it as a gift, even if they would have refused, which they willingly accepted it. If they would have refused, I would have insisted that they, that they take it to pay for the funeral because that was just part of, part of Thai custom. My lawyer just told me, you need to follow Thai custom here. You need to do everything I say if you want to get through this. Hmm. Yeah, and I and I made it through. So she and I wound up forging a, a, a the deep- The passenger. Uh, yeah, 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 the passenger, Simone, Simone. She was from Germany. 
we formed a deep bond through this whole experience. And afterwards, when it was all said and done, I went back to New York, she went back to Germany, we stayed in touch and she got a plane ticket, was gonna come visit me in New York City. And at the very last moment, like days before the trip, I decided, I decided that I was gonna go to Brazil and spend a few months in Brazil um, and, not, and not be with her in New York City because I realized that our bond was formed on this trauma and that we really weren't compatible in, our, in, a, in, a, in a sustainable long-term relationship. And I was kind of looking for a sustainable long-term love relationship. And I knew that I had some work to do, some inner work for myself before that can happen. And I knew that it wasn't gonna happen with her. And what about, did you have any concern that, that that would be drudged back up? Like, were you trying to heal through that process, but like seeing her again, if that was your bond together, would you relive it, talk about it, uh, feel it again? Was there any fear of like going there with her? I wouldn't say a fear of that, no. I mean, if anything, that was like a salve. Mm. That was one of the reasons to still stay in relationship with her. You know, every few years, We'll somehow um, get a hold of each other via via social media or something like that. Just a quick hello, um, and it just feels really good just to know that she's still out there and she's happy. And you know, um, it just it was a very very short time in my life. Maybe it was only just a few months, but very deep and meaningful and impactful. But it was really a rite of passage for me in many different ways. And one of the ways was that I was able to to really connect with what I want, deeply wanted in relationship and, and felt was going to be a sustainable um, way to be in partnership with somebody. And she checked many of the boxes, but not enough of the boxes, you know, for me to, for me to really say yes with all with all green lights and I just I just didn't settle and now in my life and I've been married to Robin for almost 20 years now now when I really reflect uh, I'm really glad that I took that time and it wasn't easy to say no to her not to come to New York to, to New York you know there was the plane ticket was already bought it was a few days away it was it was a really hard decision but it was one that one that I'm really glad that I made mm-hmm and I like the word that you used as salve, you know, that knowing like sharing those experiences or that person would be more like a salve than, um, you know, we expect that person to cut off the bleeding instead of us doing the healing um, or knowing that they can also heal. Because a lot of times um, we stay in that, that bonding and the other person has no idea how to heal also. Um, we talked a little bit about with couples work, sometimes divorced people come together really soon and they bond around their divorces. They bond, even affairs happen like that. People start and they start talking about how they're unhappy in their marriage and they can relate to each other in that kind of sadness and that trauma. And what sometimes happens is if they stay together, sometimes they don't know how to move on from that, from that kind of connection or they start looking for the same thing, the negativity, the criticism, the the um, abuse maybe that they experienced and also the relationship that they, they just formed together. 
And that that seems like a cycle that sometimes people repeat when they come together um, through that kind of shared experience, thinking that that's going to be a solid foundation for that relationship. Yeah, it's it it's almost like an addictive pattern, right? So like a lot of uh, brains that are wired for addiction get wired that way because of trauma in early childhood. And they have to cut out parts of their authentic selves, maybe because they their family system, their family of origin system um, was uh, diseased or disorganized or, you know, not ease in coming and going, walking on eggshells. Maybe there's addiction in the family system, right? And then, and then that, that becomes familiar. And then when that kid is a teenager and they take their first hit of whatever, it's like a warm, a warmth and a security that winds up feeling so good. And it's an inauthentic way of relating with the self, right? Because it's, it's derived from an external source of a substance. So it's so easy for somebody to fall into that pattern of addiction. Same thing with, you know, bonding through, uh, you know, bonding at a time when there's traumatic events that, that happen, it's like it becomes the salve. That person, that person helps that person to feel good, you know, and then, and, and like with infidelity also, you know, it's, it's easy to bond over that because then those two people, they fill this need in a, in a, in a very small way of somebody's life, a small slice of someone's life. But that's very important. They fill that need. So it becomes passionate. It becomes exciting. And then, and then just people just get the blinders on, you know, and it becomes such an insidious process racked with guilt and shame and that gets repressed and suppressed and that comes out as illness or comes out as anger comes out you know in many different subversive ways and when some of that is like suppressed some of that negativity or depression or unhappiness is suppressed and then it comes out and it's shared there's something about a bonding there that it's like ah i'm seen i'm met you know and some of it is just because Maybe in their daily life, maybe if it's infidelity with their spouse or in their daily life at work, they can't disclose their truth out of fear of not being seen, not being met, and so forth. And and so then their relationships or life becomes just more mundane and less uh, passionate. And so that's where some of that shared experience of more of the realness, I mean, Authenticity has energy, has fucking energy. And when we meet with somebody else in some aspect of truth, then there's there's energy and passion. Fortunately, sometimes just in that trauma, that could stay in there and create an unhealthy pattern of passion. Because then if one wants to move past that negativity and go towards more health and more positivity and more hope, the other one, wants to maybe stay there because that's where they can feel a certain amount of passion and they don't feel the aliveness and joy or the aliveness and hope. So that's the danger of, of forming a relationship through 
after or during a shared trauma. Right, right? that's a danger. The, the danger is then, is then when somebody's ready to move on, heal from that trauma, then the other person might not be ready to. And then there's only a small part of authentic relating and it might not be such a sustainable way to fully embody a relationship that's that's going to be long lasting and deep in many different ways. So what's the antidote to that? If anyone's listening that did you know meet their partner shortly after a divorce where they're both div divorced or um, someone did meet through a shared traumatic experience. What's the antidote to having a sustainable, loving relationship? People are going to have to buy my course for it. No, <laughs> Come on. Yeah, we'll pause it. Yeah, thank you, Joker. Well, one, one aspect is uh, only nineteen ninety nine. And promo code prepo. Um, I think one part is creating that differentiation and secure attachment with ourselves because we talked about how important secure attachment is. Attachment styles are very influential in this aspect of bonding through trauma. Okay, wait, you're talking through. really fast. Creating a, um, a secure attachment with the self and a differentiation. Right. Yeah, and so when we're differentiated more, we have a healthy sense of ourselves and we know the difference between, I know the difference between your feelings and my feelings. Mm. And so I can be witness of your feelings. I could be supportive of your feelings. I could be uh, empathetic for your feelings, but I don't have to take yours on. And I can have my own experience and my own feelings. And so that separation makes it healthy as opposed to codependent. Yeah, so I think that's an important transformation that people need to make sure, make sure that, that they're on the road to that. Boundaries. Healthy boundaries. Absolutely healthy boundaries. Yeah. I think uh, also, yeah, because of the secure attachment, as we know, stems from our family of origin. And as you have you spoke to, and you can speak to more about the difference between having like a secure attachment or an insecure attachment and how that influences um, an un unhealthy aspect of um, bonding through trauma. It's all about safety and trust. So secure attachment, I trust that I can make a mistake and you won't abandon me. I could, I could go explore and you will be here when I return. Uh, we can be in conflict and still be loving with one another. So it's all about safety and trust is secure attachment. Yeah, not not many people had that growing up. Yeah. Many, many people growing up, especially especially in households where there was mental illness from parents or siblings or addiction, um, there was kind of a walking on eggshells feeling. There was a feeling of like, I had to please the parents in order to get my needs met of love and attention. I had to get really good grades. I had to always keep my room clean. If I didn't keep my room clean, then I wouldn't be loved. 
I would get shunned. Um, or like maybe an inconsistency, whereas like a parent would, would come, you know, hungover or drunk one night and react, you know, to a mess in a violent way or an upset way, um, as if they were being inconvenienced and where like, you know, another day that same parent would come back and there would be a mess and it'd be like, ah, no worries. Let's clean this up together. Like everything would be cool. Right. So that kind of inconsistency causes an insecure, insecure attachment. And then, you know, it creates these like really, um, difficult power dynamics also because the kid has to hide the authentic self in order to try to guess how the kid needs to show up in order to feel safe and get needs met from the parent. So they split from the authentic self. And then as an, as an adult, that child now then, you know, has that, has that, um, same, those same neuro pathways of splitting off the authentic self of, of, not connecting with deep intuition or not connecting with their inner truth to share with their partner. And it's, it's a recipe for disaster in relationships. Cause what, what do you think that turns into in relationships? Like what, what manifests out of that? People pleasing or maybe recreating the same dynamic as as what the parent was doing. So insecure, insecurity in the relationship, jealousy, mm -hmm. rage, displacing rage. Um, victimhood. Victimhood, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that shows up. Projection, like projecting, you know, all the unfinished business and internalized rage uh, from their needs not getting met with the parents, then that they now project that towards their partner. I'm just thinking about, it. it's interesting of like, you know, as siblings growing up, I, my sister and I probably had some shared trauma experiences and I, I'm not probably, we did. And so we have bonded over that and we've had different experiences, even though they were in the same family. But I know that there was times where we would share that, you know, and talk about those past things or oh, when mom did this and we could relate. And then there's sometimes where one of us, and I think sometimes it's me, you know, there's like just accepts and just kind of wants to move on. But my, you know, if my sister doesn't, if she wants to talk about that, something that, you know, we've been talking about for years that I feel like I have a different insight, um, then it becomes, I know that she gets angry at me for like not wanting to like bond with her on that trauma shit. And I, I'm like, man, I'm, I have a different experience of it now, you know, and, and so that's an interesting aspect of even, you know, growing up in the same family and at once having a, a maybe a healthy bonding through that trauma. And then it's, it's not sustainable if, if we want to heal through that, like reliving that, only bonding through those experiences or not being, you know, I think I give empathy to her. I think I understand at times um, we all, I, and probably holding on to my own experiences that maybe she has also grown past um, through her through her growth. But there's something about when a trauma experience is kind of done or severed by one, it feels like a disloyalty almost, mm. right? Yes. Yeah. 
Like, don't betray me and like, like go away from this, from this story. Right, right. Like, you're sleeping with the enemy now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, now you like mom. Yeah. Oh, now you think she's yeah. like, how convenient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then there's, you know, um, I think there's positive aspects of when people have that differentiation, maybe have that secure attachment or working with that, having a shared experience of trauma can really deepen the relationship in a way that when it grows out of that trauma or starts to heal, that um, the beauty of doing that together can create a wonderful relationship. Even through affairs, couples that have affairs, if they really utilize it as a way to transform their relationship into a much deeper, more positive, more loving, more kind relationship, then that trauma that they experienced through that affair was the catalyst for them to create this new transformational relationship. So that means that they're moving through it together, maybe at different paces and so forth, but they're moving it through it together instead of getting stuck on it. Or death of a loved one, death of a child. I know that Rainbow and I really experienced through the death, death of our baby, um, which is gonna be 23 years um, next, uh, next month. And we, we share that experience, of course, but the growth that we both um, experienced through that and saw each other's strength through that, um, we didn't stay stuck in it. And there was more inspiration and more love from that experience. So to me, we can have these positive and healthy experiences through a shared trauma that leads to growth. Thanks for sharing that. Mm -hmm. You had something written down on that paper. Ah, yeah, I did. I wrote, I wrote something like, um, as much as we hate to admit it, to many of us, we're so wedded to the idea that we can build healthy relationships on unstable foundation or like unstable ground. Instead, people who can stop the bleeding that we're attracted to, those that have similar wounds. So we talked about about that, of how we might be attracted to um, those people that we want to stop the bleeding, um, but they can't, they don't know how, instead of us doing it ourselves. So I think that there was times, just with that story, that I don't think, I think we, we mutually depended on each other to help understand and heal through that. I didn't expect her to stop the bleeding of my pain. She didn't ex expect me, but we shared that in a way of understanding of empathy, but we worked on the sense of ourself to move through it, that we knew each of us, we were gonna still survive and live on and wanna create a healthy life for us and still be parents to our son. So there's a shift with that. Yeah, I like to I like to think of it uh, with the analogy of an ice cream sundae. Like being in an authentic relationship starts with relationship with myself and then, and I'm the ice cream sundae. And then to have the cherry on top is my partner. And that just, that just makes it that much sweeter. So do, is that what you tell Robin? That she's just, the, she's the cherry on top, but you're the sundae? 
No, I don't really put it that way to her. <laughs> but you know that. You feel but that. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it's true is that is that I know that she feels that about herself also. And it makes me desire her even more. That she's not dependent on you for her happiness. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I know. I love it too. I love when Rainbow is, is walking. She, we might be walking and out of blue, she'll say, I feel so happy right now. And I'm like, Man, I don't have to do a fucking shit right now. My girl is happy without me having to do anything. I love that. Even though I want to take credit for her happiness a lot of times. But it's it's wonderful when you, we can be around other people and friends that that's not the dependent aspect of I'm with you so that you always can build me up, can bring me to myself. Did I tell, did I send you a link to that um German concept. I'm going to butcher it right now, but it's like Freudian friend or something like that. It's this, it's. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you did. And and you said that last week and you said you started appreciating me in my life. Yeah. It was yeah. this really beautiful short article I found online that was about this, this, this concept of how important it is to share in our friends joys and successes and it's an actual concept, you know, like um, a friend gets a promotion at work or a friend takes a vacation to an exotic place or, or something like that. And, and feeling genuine feelings of joy for my friend rather than feeling envious or, um, you know, giving him, poking him, give him shit or poking fun or, you know, whatever it is. Genuine or being jealous. Or being jealous, right. Or envious, like envious. genuine, those genuine feelings of joy for another person will actually facilitate a deepness in that friendship and feelings of well-being in myself. Yeah, that, that's beautiful. How about that? Like bonding through that compatibility instead of trauma, like bonding through somebody through joy and excitement. I mean, probably uh, sports fans do that, you know, right. in some way. They probably bond through losing too, but you know the aspect of people hug each other that they don't know each other, and maybe they form friendships because of that joy. But it'll be wonderful that more people uh, created relationships through joy than through complaints and trauma. And and you know I did want to talk about because we we brought that up. I, I want people to know like it's not about erasing trauma because trauma is part of our lives. It makes us human. And I don't want people to feel shame about having trauma or experiencing trauma in their life. No, this that's that it's a human experience and we're not gonna erase it all. And so how do we, we need to make a part of our story and part of our experience, but we don't have to um, in some way like anticipate it or make it our whole identity. It's just a part of us. Absolutely. And now trauma bonding, like that actual coined term. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, the first time that I heard it, um, I I read it in the works of Patrick Carnes and um, Out of Addiction. And that's more when there's uh, an abusive relationship. And that's where um, the abuser does a lot of... of um, cycles in relationship of manipulation and being loving and kind and bringing that person in. And then after a while, treating them poorly 
and the person that is abused ends up losing their identity in some way, their sense of self, and they're in some way attracted uh, or bonded to that cycle and that trauma that shows up in in domestic violence, in kidnappings, in um, incest, in sexual abuse, in cults. So th that's the that's the, the official terminology of trauma bonding. So I think it is important for when people hear that terminology that they know that that's also the official trauma bonding is around that abusive type relationship. But I think it's also important that the word bonding through trauma or experiences through trauma gets an understanding that it's not that um, unhealthy aspect of the official trauma bonding definition. Right, like Stockholm Syndrome, that's part of trauma bonding. Yeah. Thanks for explaining that. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one of thinking, again, like what is healthy, supportive connection through a traumatic experience and what's, what's an unhealthy dynamic? around bonding through that experience. You know, if anyone listening wants to dive a little deeper into trauma, into how our family of origin impacts how we relate to others now as adults, um, Gabor Mate has got this incredible book called The Myth of Normal. And I want to give a plug for that book because I'm listening to it right now. And it is such an incredible consolidation of a lot of the mentors that I've had through you know, reading authors or research or uh, professors in graduate school, um, mentors in postgraduate work that I've, that I've done. Gabor Mate has, has taken a lot of of what I learned in my somatic psychology program, um, in the trauma certification I did, and consolidated into one book. And the way he writes about it is so illuminating and so accessible and easy to understand. Um, and he takes many, many different topics and he and he and he weaves this incredible tapestry that just that just has has covered me with a sense of warmth and. Um, highly recommend this book. I think every human being needs to needs to read this book. The Myth of Normal by Gabor Mate. Can you give just a quick um, analogy that makes it so simple about the um, the balloon, the beach ball? Oh yeah. So so one thing just 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 about an hour ago when I was on my way over here, I was listening to it about halfway through the book. Um, he's talking about depression. And so just a little background, Gabor Mate is one of the world's leading authorities in trauma um, and addiction. Uh, he wrote, uh, he wrote uh, the book, When the Body Says No. So it's about uh, pain, the pain cycles and, and, and like how to understand what's underlying a lot of uh, physical pain and disease that people feel and experience. He also wrote 
In the Realm of the Hungry Ghosts, which is like an incredible book on addiction. Um, he is an MD psychiatrist out of Vancouver. And so he talks about depression and he says, literally, it's like you're being depressed. You're holding, you're pressing something down. Similar to if you're in a pool and you have a beach ball and you're pressing it under the water, the further you go, the more energy it takes to depress, to suppress and hold underneath the surface this beach ball. And it's because people that don't feel safe and they don't feel cared for um, in childhood or in adulthood, they suppress things that were threatening to them. So if it was an overbearing parent, if it was um, you know, anything that threatened their psyche or threatened their livelihood or threatened their sense of being cared for as a child will be suppressed and repressed. And that takes a lot of energy, just like it takes a lot of energy to hold a beach ball underneath the water. There's so much resistance. There's so much back. resistance, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you do that over the years, you know, there's tension in the body in order to do that. There's, you know, think of like internalized rage. I remember when I was a kid, I internalized a lot of rage and it'd be like, oh, it'd be like, I, I'm like squeezing, you know, when, when I wouldn't, wouldn't like, I wouldn't be able to be authentic in my anger as a kid, right? So I, I just, I just internalized it, right? And as, as a result, I used to stutter as a kid right? because I was depressing, I was suppressing, I was holding in with all this tension that, 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 becomes lack of blood flow, lack of lymph flow, lack of chi, lack, lack of vital energy, lack of life force. And that's what starts uh, kind of like causing hardness in the body. That's what, that's, that's what cuts us off from the flow that's needed for a healthy inner ecosystem. And it could lead to depression, literally depressing emotions. Wow. So yeah, sweet, right? That. Yeah. yeah. I love that analogy. It is really good. Gabor Mate. Check him out. Mm -hmm. And you're listening to it now, you said, right? Yeah. Yeah. Through your recommendation, I just uh, got an audio and just started it. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. We, I have a feeling there's a podcast coming in the future yeah, with that book. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's going to help us in, in, in our work and in, in our consultations. We can have that reference mm -hmm. to understand each other. Yeah, I'm noticing the clients I'm working with that are reading that book, they are um, meeting how they want their life to be faster and with a sense of depth and understanding. Good for you. All right, brother. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go eat some, yeah, some food. Some food. Thank you so much. Yeah. I really appreciate it. And, uh, um, yeah, again, man, for, for your friendship, I had a wonderful time at your New Year's Eve party. Oh, all these so people. Nice yeah. Yeah. Corey had this kind of, we call it like a soft celebration opening of, of the new spa with maybe about 50 friends and, and people you work with and you're, you're so loved the, the community that you created, you and Robin created such good quality, caring and loving people. And, and it's so wonderful that. They came to to help celebrate 
and share and thanks for letting me be a part of that man absolutely it was just so nice looking at you from across the way and dancing together and yeah uh, rainbow was there that was really sweet yeah and man we're so close we're like two weeks away we finally got a date and nice. we're opening it's, yeah it's i wasn't happening. sure about asking you about that to create a little bit of trauma but it sounds cool it sounds january 31st sweet yeah Great. After Mercury retrograde, Rainbow's going to be happy, baby. Mercury retrograde uh, tomorrow. Yeah. Yep, that's that's right. Good for you. That's right. I know that. I know that she holds that that greater meta awareness yeah. of when the right time is. Use the energies major, of the universe. Yeah, yeah, we can just use it. You know, we don't have to be uh, controlled by it. We can just use it to our to our benefit. Beautiful. Well, yeah. thank her for me for I that will. because that definitely played a factor into the opening date. Sweet. Yeah. All right, brother, man. I love you. All right. Love you too, pal. Relationships. Let's talk about it. Is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more about licensed counselor Prebo Teplitsky, visit prebo.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling or therapy, medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice.